This is a Think Live Be production. We're back from Thanksgiving. That was uh, the last episode was mm. right right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Thanksgiving. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I saw a meme the other day right before Thanksgiving that said, if turkey is so great, then why do you only make it once a year? <laughs> yeah. Turkey's not my favorite. Um, the There's better things to eat. It's not in my top 50 meals. Yeah. It doesn't even come close. We, like I, if you said, here's a piece of paper, <sighs> write down your top 50 things that you would like to have for dinner. Turkey would not be on that list. Yeah, for sure. We did lasagna Thanksgiving a few years ago, and we tried to make that a thing with your family, and Mm -hmm. somebody shut it down. (laughs) Yeah, it's people who have come into the family, not the actual fatigas. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a fun it was a fun thing, but maybe it just, you know, there's nostalgia around. Yes, I think that's a lot of it. A turkey dinner. Yes, I think I think uh the nostalgia is most of it. Yeah. Right? It's like this is the way we do things. And what do they say in Parks and Rec? Just because things have been done that way doesn't mean that they have to continue. They have to continue that way, or something to that effect. Like yeah. Just we. Oh, this is the way it's always been. Is not a good reason to keep doing something. That's that's the quote I think. Yeah. yeah. Which is true about a lot of things, not yeah. just a turkey dinner. Okay. So anyway, so we're gonna pick back up where we left off last week on on this podcast. Um, and I'm gonna do the intro first thing, mm-hmm. like a real podcast host. Uh, you're listening to our podcast. It's called Seeking the Best, where we seek out the best in ourselves as real estate professionals in this crazy industry. And I'm Catherine Stelgis. Our director of operations, Kayla Boundy, is out on maternity leave, so she will not be joining us for a little while. And our sound engineer, producer extraordinaire, Patrick Fatika. Hello. Here with his opinions on all things. My opinions about everything. <laughs> not just real estate. Oh, no. I, I can talk about anything you want to talk about. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But today we're talking about hiring. We we started last week. It's just the this time of year, I think, is everybody... We're talking about first hiring. First hiring. Yeah, yeah. But this time of year is that time where you're making plans for the new year and thinking about what you need in your business. And you've probably already started to make those decisions. And one of the things that might be on a lot of people's list is hiring their first assistant. Or even if you already have an assistant, you might be thinking about making a second hire or third hire. And it's just a good refresher to sit down and think about what are the steps to finding the right person for this role? And so last week, um, we were talking about kind of leading up to the first step in the hiring process, which is reviewing resumes. And we kind of got all the way to there and we ran out of time, mm-hmm. which is about about right. Because once you get me started talking about something... I can go on and on. Oh, that's true. If I if I'm excited and passionate about it, I can talk for a long time about things. And I do get excited about hiring because I think, you know, over the the years that I've done it, um, you know, we're still a relatively small team. And but I've but a team nonetheless. <laughs> but I've met with for the hiring process a lot of people. Oh yeah. Like and and some people have gotten hired and didn't work out and every single time most, <laughs> most people, <laughs> um, it's a hard job. 
And I think you're talking mostly, and I would say most generally speaking, though, that's salespeople. Salespeople, yes. yes which you, your your admin hires have been really good. Like the, maybe early on. Um, well, we talked about that in the last episode, some about, of those first yeah, hires. The first, the first few and stuff. Trying to, And a lot of that is you can chalk up to inexperience by you and also chalk up to, we don't really know what we want this person to do. Well, so stuff. that's that was the what prompted this idea of this conversation is what does an assistant do, right? What should you have them doing? And I think when you're first starting out thinking about hiring someone, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And the reason I know that is because I've done it and- People ask me all the time, what does your assistant do? Yeah. And the an- the quick answer is everything other than lead generation, negotiate, going on appointments, and negotiating contracts. Everything else should be someone else's job at some point in your career if you're building what we were saying the last time. It doesn't have to be a big team. It doesn't have to be anything, whatever you want it to be. But those are the things that are your job as an agent that are responsibilities of the the um, the main agent on the team or the team owner until you unless you get into seventh level and you're not, you know, doing that anymore. But the, the point is, is most of the time. Those are the main responsibilities for you as the agent. And then everything else is what an assistant should be doing. So, and we'll get into, probably we won't get into it this episode. We'll probably, because I'll be talking for a while about (laughs) this hiring process. Um, But maybe the next episode we'll talk about exactly those duties and, and specifically that first day, first week of what you should be having them do um, to, to kick them off right but backtracking, <laughs> I've talked to a lot of people in the hiring process. And sometimes I think what I've learned over the years is that the best way to put it, and I know this is like, it's kind of vague, but if you aren't feeling it, there's probably a reason. And sometimes like in the moment you want to believe like, well, I can, this person seems good. I can do this. But if there's something sort of nagging you like, I don't know, I, I, I'm i just not sure, then probably not the right person. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. just that's just what I've learned is anybody who didn't work out. I had one of those feelings and I did it anyways. You have to learn to trust your gut. You, you do. And that's where I said that's so vague because it's like, well, you know, mm-hmm. your gut can be wrong and you could miss out on a great person. But if you're having that feeling and you haven't even started working with them yet. How do you think that's going to go? Yeah, it's never worked out. Anytime you've had second thoughts, but felt like, well, I need to get somebody in here. So, and this is the best person that I've interviewed, even, but I'm getting a weird feeling. And every single time that's happened, that person has been fired, has been fired. Yeah. And, and there, the reason was because the, whatever that gut feeling was because <laughs> I almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> Well, that would have been awesome. Um, what? <laughs> I don't mean it would have been awesome for you to fall. It would have just been oh, for the listeners, r- ridiculous for the listeners. They would have never known. I would have cut all of that out. <laughs> but when I make a faux pas, uh, you just leave it in. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, I see how it is. Well, you're welcome to start editing anytime you wish. <laughs> so, anyways, 
But yeah, you have to trust your gut a little bit in the process. And so just because somebody's sitting in front of you and they have like worked as an admin professional before and they they have a little bit of experience and they seem like a reasonably normal person, if there's something nagging you about that interaction, there's a reason for it. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you? So here's some of my things. And I don't know if they're... Um, well, I was going to say real quick about that nagging yeah. thing. Um, it also took a while to draw the distinction between um, is this person just not like me but would be good at this job? Like their interests are very different than mine. Is that okay for this? And we like to say, oh yeah, they're into totally different things. That's okay as long as they do... A good job except with that and that, I believe that that is true when you're hiring your fourth assistant or a salesperson but when you're looking for your first hire they have to be able you guys have to be able to their, what's what's their job their job is to essentially anticipate your needs anticipate my needs right yeah. so, so they have to if, think a little so bit like you right so they you don't want them to have the same faults as you Right. right? Because then you're just doubling up on things that, mm -hmm. you know, but you want them to understand. You don't want to say something to them and then look at you like, what? Yeah. I don't like you. They have to get you to a certain degree and you have to get them. Well, I was going to say some of the things that have uh, bothered me during the interviews, but let's get to that step in the, the process because we, we talked about resume screening last week mm. and and then once you get resumes that look good, you're starting that next step, which we talked about the DISC personality assessment. And that's a good other screening tool to just save you time. Um, then the next thing is, let's say you found a couple people or even one, whatever, you know, that sound good and you'd like to then set up a next step. The first thing would be to have a phone interview mm -hmm. before you spend potentially an hour sitting in a room with them to have a phone interview because you can get rid of a lot of people just through that. Because when you're talking to someone on the phone, think about it like this. And it, an assistant is going to do a lot of things for you. How often do you talk on the phone with people about like scheduling photos for listings, giving them a quick update, checking in on things? They're going to be answering your phone, yeah, right? They're going to be like a, a transaction coordinator for you. And initially, they're going to do everything right other than going on appointments, lead generating, negotiating offers. So um, they're going to be talking with the title company, the Your lender, clients. the clients, right? They're going to answer the phone because you're not available to answer the phone. They've got to know how to do, how to maybe not set an appointment, but to qualify an appointment yeah. for you, those sorts of things. Which so, is, so so they need to be able to have a conversation with you on the phone and you feel- be a lot of, uh, uh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Or like super fast talking right. or not like listening. not listening. Huge one. Like if you have a conversation and they're not listening to you and they're just like blah, 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 blah. You can chalk some of that up to nervous energy. Of course. And you, as the more interviews you do and the more hiring you do, you can kind of filter through that. But. Yes. I've had conversations with people, with people can sit though. in the silence for three seconds. I've had conversations with people though where you ask them one question and 20 minutes later mm -hmm. you're like I gotta I gotta get off this phone interview yeah. like it's supposed to be a quick 15 minute check to see if I want to meet with yeah. them in person or mm -hmm. do the next step right and that's the other thing too 
I was just going to say this is this is expectation setting and mm-hmm. stuff is when I do this, these kinds of things, not so much an interview as much as a first client meeting. Um, I always say this, this will take 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like right. Like before they before I'm on the phone with them, I let them know that in an email or whatever so that they know. So this is a good example of that. They should know 15 minutes is what this is. So. Well, one of the things you're not going to waste. My, I'm not going to sit on the phone with some crazy person for two and a half hours to not hire them. That's insane. So one of the things that um, that I'd started doing is well, I used Calendly for scheduling, mm-hmm. listing, and buyer consultations. Well, I also have it for the phone interview and the in-person interview. So when we book the time, it specifically says 15 minute phone interview. Right. And th- so that's the same thing. It's yes. like I'm telling them what to expect. You can also set up Calendly to like I can send them an email and say I've reviewed your resume. I'd like to have a quick phone interview. Mm-hmm. Pick a time that works best for you, and then they can choose one right. that you've already predetermined. Works. Then we're not. Then we're not sending emails back and forth trying to set a time of when they're available. Yes. You tell and, them when you're available and they pick one. And this is, we talked about this in the last episode. It was a question from the web, I think, at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. But listen, people who are looking for jobs may have other jobs. And if you let them, they will choose 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. as the time that you're doing your 15-minute phone interview. You have to dictate. And if they can't make themselves available during a lunch yeah. break or... Then they're, not, then they're not that serious about the job. Well, yeah, it's just not It's just not the right fit. Like, yeah. I, like I'm like i willing to miss out. We haven't even done a first interview and you can't make yourself available for 15 minutes yeah. to do that. You're telling me everything about you. Then I'm going to move on to other people. I don't have time to do those things at all hours, like you have to be consistent with your schedule. It's mm-hmm. really time consuming to hire someone. It is an its own job. Like yeah. seriously, as you as you grow, you realize like that you is have to a, have somebody in charge of hiring. That's a separate job. And so you just took your entire schedule where you're already busy and now I'm looking for my first assistant. You just added more on top of your life. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got to be really careful with your time. And this is another screening tool. If they can't make themselves available, move on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that can be frustrating because it might take you a while just to find one resume where you're like, I want to talk to this person. And then that person may ghost you or whatever. Great. They, Good. they just saved me time because yeah. they weren't the right person. Yeah. So anyway, so once you set the phone interview, um, again, it's The quick. worst thing is to go through the trouble of setting all of the interviews, doing all the process, and then hire them. And then two weeks in, they quit. Yeah. Because they, cause the other job came through. That's happened before. Oh, yeah. You know, because they're not looking just at your job, like what your what your listing was on Indeed or whatever. They've got three or four other ones that they're juggling at the same time. And they're going to pick the what it doesn't matter. who They're going to pick the best one. If all four people, all four different companies said, we'd love to hire you. They're going to pick the one they want to do the most. Right. So. Catherine has gone through the whole process with people, gotten all the way to the very last interview and. uh you know, they they said, oh, yeah, they ghosted or they said, oh, I decided to take this other job. And she wasted all of that time that she had, you know, that she put into the interviews and calling references and all of that stuff. So so then you need to have written out phone interview questions so that you consistently ask the same questions to every person and you're not winging it. Yeah, that's smart. So and, and- so it's almost like a script. It's a script. Yeah, sure. And, and 
look, I'm not reinventing the wheel. As I said, I follow this career visioning model, which is a Keller Williams system and model for hiring. But even if you aren't with Keller Williams or you've never taken that class before, go do 10 minutes of research and and look for questions I should ask someone on a phone interview. And then write down the like at least 10 of the best ones that fit for what you feel will um, identify the best person. So like one of the things that, and this is, I believe this question is straight from the career visioning one, but it here's why it helps me. Um, the, the first question is, what prompted you to apply for this job? Okay. Money. <laughs> so if somebody said that, well, you got a problem. Right. They said, but chances are what you're trying to weed out is the person who says, I'm really interested in real estate and I wanted to get my license and I wanted to get my feet wet, blah, blah, blah. All of that stuff are all red flags. Yeah. So I, so that is one of the things I'm looking for. And it's not that you can't hire somebody who wants to be an agent in the future. It's not, there's not like this black and white line, but when you're hiring your first administrative person, you're really hoping to find somebody who can grow with you. And you want somebody who's going to be really good at that job and be able to build the systems that you're you're going to need as you move forward and grow. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be somebody who's going to also be an awesome buyer's agent. It's just probably not, yeah. you know? And so- Well, why so, would you want to go through the trouble of training somebody how to do all of those things? Time is money, spending hours and days and weeks training them just for them to say, can I be a buyer's agent now? And like we said, it's like, then, then basically, they're, if that's what their end goal is, they're treating this first job as a stepping stone. Yes. The and, whole time. And it's like, you don't want that, right? So here's the thing. I, I've I've attended a ton of classes and I've listened to all different kinds of advice. And a lot of people will tell you that, you know, if you've got somebody that's talented, um, then it I doesn't am. then it doesn't matter, right? right? If you've got somebody that's talented, hire them and then maybe you'll find a place for them later. But here in yeah, my if ex- you have a team of twenty people, then you can start to take to do that but I think what you just said right before is the key point of all that is but you're hiring them knowing that this is just a spot on their plan to get somewhere else so they will never be 100% all in to this no, one job looking at the next thing and that's a whatever, problem what, you, what they're, they're going to treat it whatever I have to do now in order to get to the other thing and that's a problem if your intention is to hire somebody to be your assistant long term <laughs> right right yeah so you have to know what you want and as a first hire I want somebody who wants to be an admin who wants to be an awesome assistant support role they love being behind the scenes they do not want to be out in the spotlight trying to get deals done. In fact, that scares them. Yeah. Like I, it should because the personality, that's what I meant before is that, that it is unlikely that the person who wants to be out showing homes and running around talking to people is the right person and vice versa. So, so save yourself time. And when they answer that question and they're like, well, I got my real estate license and I want to, I want to be a buyer's agent or I want, you know, not that I want to be a buyer's agent, but I want to be a real estate agent. So I figured I could come learn. Well, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking to pay you to learn how to go be an agent. I'm looking for somebody who wants to be an awesome assistant and help me grow what I've already built and so we're we're not going to work out. So it's a great mm-hmm. first question because it can save you a lot of time there. 
and move on. Um, and again, there are times where people think they want to be an agent, but their personality is actually better suited for administrative work. Mm-hmm. And so if if you keep talking and you hear the things that indicate that they might be skilled or have past experience with administrative work and enjoy doing that work, well, you could still move forward with with somebody like that. Just be cautious with them and set the expectation so that they're not disappointed down the road when that's not really an opportunity for them. Yeah. Um. So other other questions like I've got a long list of questions. I'm not going to read all of them. Um, but I think one of the ones that, that I like to know is like, how do they develop their professional skills and knowledge? And when you ask that question and somebody says, um, like they can't answer that question, then that probably means they're not like a learner. They're not out there seeking new information. So if I say like, how do you develop your professional skills and knowledge? Most of the time, if I've got somebody that is is going to move forward, they're going to say, well, I like to read a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, okay, what what's what books have you read lately? And then that gives you the opportunity to kind of dig in on what are they interested in. Mm-hmm. And then from there, if they say some random book that you're like, what? <laughs> you're reading what? <laughs> it's like completely... Um, Let's say it's like super political or something like that, extreme political extremist book. Then you might say, "Okay, great. It's been nice talking with you." Right, and move on. It gives you an opportunity to learn a little bit more about them when they start talking about what they like to listen to, what they like to read, what they like to watch. You mm-hmm. get a little insight into who this person is, and when I mean what I mean by that is, if somebody's willing to talk about like an extreme political views on a first phone interview, yeah. then I probably am not going to move forward with them. Not because of their political views, but because they were willing to have that conversation right away and start not knowing what my views are as your boss. Yeah. And, and, um, I think I'm leaning into this political thing. Cause I, I was talking to a seller lead the other day and she talked my ear off for like 30, 45 minutes about some real extreme, yeah. Uh, politics some YouTube rabbit holes of and 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 when I was listening I, I thought to myself this person does not know me yeah and why is she why does she feel so comfortable yeah ranting about all of yeah. this what kind of a bubble do you live in that you think that this is okay so the point is is it's not professional yeah it's not the politics although that <laughs> there's yes. something there um it's it's the the professionalism so you're looking for if they're starting to talk about things that you're like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. Yeah. i don't want you to have these kind of conversations with clients yeah. and yet you felt okay to talk to somebody right. who was a potential it's, boss it's the openness and it doesn't have to be about politics there's a million yeah that there's was a just million my <laughs> there's a million avenues about personal life about just all about uh, religion about all of those things that people are so willing to just open up like out of nowhere and just dump all of this. It's like, is that who you want representing you? If they're willing to do that to you on first meeting to For, quote, we impress I, you. We haven't even met in person. Yeah, yet. we haven't even met in person and they're doing this. It's like, what is that? What is that going to be six months from now? So just. So um, one of the other questions is I, I like to um, hear like what kind of interaction do they want to have with their ideal boss? Um, or supervisor, because that will tell you, again, depending on what you envision for the job, Mm -hmm. do they want you to be like a mentor 
or do they kind of want hands off? Like, well, I like I like give to just list give me a list and then I'll figure it out on my own. Right. Now, either one can be right. It depends on what you want. Mm-hmm. So if they want somebody who's going to show them every single thing and be a mentor to them and you're like, eh, that's not really what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning someone where I can say, here's the mess that I have. <laughs> Fix it. And and I'll I'll let you kind of hack through that on your own. Then that's the type of answer that you're looking for. So it, these answers, there's no right or wrong it's up to you to decide what's going to work for your personality because as a first hire, you're going to be very connected. Like they're they're going to be the one person you talk to every single day throughout the day. And so you need to make sure that your personalities mesh. And I think that's something that, again, you can get advice from other places that's like, I remember um, being in a, a career visioning class and somebody was asking about hiring an assistant and he was like what if I just like I really don't like their personality and somebody kind of said well you know it's not about personality it's about like are they going to be good at the job but I disagree I think it is about personality when you're hiring your first assistant you guys have to get along yeah that's what we were saying earlier like having the that's the same as having the freedom of well if you see talent hire them and find a place Okay, that's somebody standing on a stage with a team of 40 people telling some agent who hasn't made their first hire those that word of advice. This is the same kind of thing. It's like you have to the first those first couple you got to have you got to find your people. Yeah. for this. It's yeah, like yeah. and then eventually you can just, you know what I mean? But yes. And so looking for people that sound like, could I talk to this person? Do I feel comfortable talking to this person, asking them these few questions? And if I feel comfortable and the answers make sense, they're logical, it's professional, mm-hmm. um, then, and I feel good You're about it. You're not looking it. for a friend. You're not looking for an equal. Right. You're looking for a subordinate because this is somebody, but you're also looking for somebody who's like understanding what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Like you've, I've, I've had those conversations before with people just in everyday life, vendors, whatever, where I've actually had to say to them, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Because they're, the look on their face and the, the way that there's, they're um, interacting with me, I'm not too sure yeah. if they're understanding what I'm saying. Not that what I'm trying to explain is difficult. It's like maybe my lexicon doesn't match theirs. That's a good way to put it, I think. Like if 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 I if I can't have though a 15 minute conversation and then like let's say I ask a question and they're like um well, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. If there's a lot of what do you mean? Well, then that's going <laughs> to be a problem, problem right? Yeah. Like that means that they're not understanding what you're what you're asking or what you're, you're saying. Not, yeah, they're not understanding your vibe or your just your your approach and it's like, well, if they're not already not getting it, it's like, are they ever going to? Yeah. You want to talk to the person who knows exactly what it is that you're saying without you having to explain yourself or to wonder, like, are they understanding me? Yeah. Right? They should be bringing something to the table. It sh- You shouldn't be doing all the lifting. That's a huge part of it, right? Is like that because they're going to be, they're supposed to be taking stuff off your plate eventually. So it's like, you shouldn't feel like you're the one running are doing all the work. So let me give you one more uh, question in the phone interview and then we'll keep moving along or we'll never get through this. Right. <laughs> um, it's uh, 
what was your favorite part about your previous job? Okay. So this kind of goes into, I think we talked a little bit about this in the last episode. Um, sometimes you think that their previous job is the same as what you're hiring for, but it's really not. Or you you think that just because they're applying for that job that they're going to enjoy it, right? You mean your job? Yeah. Mm. Like you think like they're applying for it. That's what they did before with something similar. They must enjoy it. So asking them what was their favorite part allows you to kind of see like, like first of all, what were they doing? So they're going to tell you something that they were working on. Or they're going to talk about their the freedom that they had to make their own decisions or something. Talk, yeah, but it's then like definitely gonna. It's not an open ended question for sure. You're it gonna, is. It is. I mean, it is an open ended <laughs> question, so that you, you can kind of go and that you see how all of these are right. Like, I'm not saying, did you enjoy your last job? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Like, no. I'm saying, what was your favorite part? Or what? Yeah. About your last job, and then it allows them to just kind of think about it and then answer and. You're looking for things that align with the job that you're hiring, right? If they say, well. It was, I really love the atmosphere. Everybody was, you know, uh, real loud and and we, and and everyone. Sure, they could describe the physical environment. Right. And and it's completely. It was hustle and bustle and people were running around and I really like that energy. And you know that you've got them in a cubicle not talking to anybody all day yeah then you know that this might not be the best job for them right yeah and it's not it's not like a yes or no this is definitely it or not but there there's clues in these answers so I'm thinking of like if somebody said well you know I didn't really like my last job okay well tell me more about that Mm mm-hmm well, I just sat at a desk all day and was on the computer and Doing the same thing every day. And it was just really repetitive and blah, blah, blah. And then you think to yourself, hmm, that's pretty much what this job is. Then you might want to not move forward, mm. right? Like you have to use these answers as clues and save yourself time. Yeah, and look at how all, all of the answers interact with each other and then what you get at the end. Yeah, because they could be awesome. You could be loving them. But what they're telling you is that I'm not going to last here very long yeah. because what you're hiring for, I actually don't really want to do. And I just kinda, need a job. We kind of glossed over the hiring takes a lot of time. And then we moved on. And it's like, if you've never hired anybody before, when we say it takes a lot of time, it is a full-time job on top of your full-time job Yeah, to hire. And the amount of time and questions and answering and payroll and all of the things you need to figure out to do for this per- Although payroll, once you figure out how to do payroll, it doesn't, it's the same every time, um, generally speaking. I just mean- I get it. Yeah, once it's set up, it's, it's I'm t- versus the next, per- like the amount of training that's involved. I get it. Um, it takes what eight months before you feel like you could leave the keys with somebody and or leave for a day and the things mm. not fall apart. Maybe more. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. Especially for the first assistant. So think about that. You're paying them for forty hours a week, and it takes about a year, but maybe more before they're ready. And you're like, oh. Finally, they're taking stuff off my plate and I don't have to worry and and I can focus on on getting more clients and stuff. It takes that long before you're okay. So is it important to make sure that that person doesn't quit after six? Because if they quit after six, 
Then it's another three months of looking for somebody and then another six to eight to 12 months of training. Now you're almost two years in. Yeah. You got one higher. And the point is like you could prevent that by making sure you're not just saying, but I like them Mm -hmm. and and I need someone. And Mm -hmm. so I think they'll do well. And yet they just told you. That they're not going to. That what the job is that you're hiring for, they didn't like at their last place. And that's why they quit. So why do that to yourself and do that to them, honestly? Like, um, so so that's kind yeah, of. because they don't know. Yeah, they don't know what they're getting into. They're just looking for a job. I think that's something I've really had to learn over the years is like, when I got my real estate license after. No, nobody says, I really want to be an admin for a career in a small real estate company in a you know what I mean? Like, it's like people at at that, when you, in this hiring process for, for your first assistant, chances are the person's like in their mid twenties, you know, they haven't really had much of a career or anything. They're still trying to figure it out. All of that stuff. It's like, um, they well, are just looking for a job. So what I was going to say, I is- think Kayla was the only person the only person that we that I've ever hired where it's, where she knew it's like I want to be in I want to be a real estate admin and director of operate like she knew what she wanted to do before she ever did any of it which is that's why she's a strange little our strange little bird that we have <laughs> you know but that's that's very rare uh it is very rare and what I was going to say was when when I got my license and graduated college and started my career that's how I looked at it was mm. that it was a career. I wasn't. Oh, that's true too. Yeah. I wasn't. And so did Kayla. Interviewing for the job of real estate agent with, you know, Keller Williams. I was looking for a place to hang my license. As an agent, you can do multiple things, right? Like you can go join a team and you can have a career as a real estate agent on a team, or you can go and be a single agent or have a team of your own and be the entrepreneur and be the business owner or a broker. Or a broker. Yeah. There's lots of different things in real estate. When you get your license and your intention is to be an agent, you're generally doing one of those those couple things. I'm going to be an agent, an entrepreneur. I'm going to be a business owner or I'm going to be an agent. I love selling houses. I love real estate. I'm going to do it within someone else's business. Both of those are careers. And I think when you get your license, you have that in mind although people don't last very long because it's harder than they think it's going to be. Um, But when you're looking to hire an employee, those people that are applying for those jobs are looking for a job. Mm -hmm. Now you want to cast the vision with them that it is a career and it's something that they can. There's opportunity. That There's opportunity and that here's what we're trying to do. We always promote uh, opportunity, not just in, 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 advancement but opportunity in education because you're going to grow you- as a person with this career that's why we think live b has we have a book club and there's there's other we've got our charity that that and so that you can you can grow on the inside not just on at how much money are you making yeah and you know? i'll tell you like um one of the other steps in the interview process further down the road um you ask them about like what motivates them and stuff. And, um, one of the, the one word that I hear more than anything else in that interview is growth from them. You mean from the candidate, Yeah, the, they use the word growth and that means a lot of different things for people, but almost every single time 
it's meant something like... I don't want a dead-end job. Right. People want to know that there's somewhere for them to go. And it's not just um, like a hierarchy, like, oh, I want to move up in a job. When you hear they growth, want... you think of that maybe they're approaching this as a career instead of as a job. Yes. or they, But they, even they might not know that when they're saying growth. They don't know that that's what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely have had those those interviews where I don't think they realize what they're saying, but yeah, that's when you're young, they don't have an, they don't have a career yet, so they don't really know. If if that's the case, yeah. I mean, not everybody. Not everybody. I'm just I'm There's a lot generally. of there's a lot of uh, those millennials out there, right? And they're looking for jobs. Mm-hmm. And so if if you're interviewing people and they're using those words though, they probably are somebody who's thinking about the future and they they want somewhere where they feel like they're getting better every day. Mm. That's somebody that you want as long as all the other things line up. Yeah. You want them to feel that way. You don't want somebody your who's first like... Hire, there is going to be growth. Because right? that, the, the flip side of that is that they clock in, clock out, and they do the tasks to the bare minimum mm-hmm. and they never, ever do anything more. Mm-hmm. And... That might sound okay if that's what you're looking for, okay. But um, why would you want somebody who's just going to do the bare minimum, never try to make anything better? Right. Like I want to hire somebody who's bringing something to the table, right? Well, you want them to feel like they're a part of it because they are. And if they if they bring something to the table, that's going to take things off of your plate. When that takes things off of your plate, you have more time to do your lead gen. When you have time to do more lead gen, you make more sales. You have opportunities to hire more people. Now, all of a sudden, this person is the is the first admin and then you're hiring a second admin. Right. And now they're in. Now you give them they get a raise because they have to be kind of train this other person. It's like but they that's you have to be but able that's to kind the of, that's the vision you have to cast for them is that you have to cast the vision but they also have to be kind if of you want ready to, to go there if you want to grow then you have to help us grow right, right. if you want the opportunity to have right. people underneath you and you be training them and and lead right then you have to help us grow so that we get to a point where we need that right and then we're all working together towards that goal okay i got off on a little bit of a tangent yeah, I, <laughs> but yeah, phone interviews, super quick. I would say have 10 questions. No more than that is needed. Most of the time, I don't even ask all 10 because you start to get a sense of if this makes Right. You don't want to waste your time yeah. asking question eight when you know by yeah. question four that this person's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. Just and, wrap it up. And then, and then from there, you decide, do I want to take the next step? And if you do then you go ahead and set that while you're on the phone. It's the same thing with a lead. Like I'm not hanging up with a lead until I set an appointment, mm-hmm. right? Because it might have a hard time getting back in touch with them. If right. I know I want to move forward, I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? Based on our conversation today, I'd like to take the next step and meet with you and do you know right. whatever the next interview is for you. And um, Think on your feet. And don't, don't I have availability tomorrow at 2 p.m. or 4 p.m. And you, which should already know, you should already know that before you go into the interview. The, the phone interview. You should already know what, what your what availability you have for the next interview when you walk it. So you're not opening your calendar and going, let me see what I've got <laughs> available. You already know. And um, don't be, you, you can't be one of those people who's like, let me sleep on it. Just make the decision. Use your gut. Make the make the decision, even if it's wrong. Well, because what are you? It, it, you've already it, you you'll find out at the next interview. Yeah, you know, you're weeding people out right now. We're not, not expecting every answer, every decision you make to be the right one. Just ballpark it. Yeah, so. yeah. Ball, All right, let's, ballpark it. Let's take a break, and then when we come back. We'll get into that part. Okay. 
Okay. Okay, let's take a break. The Think Would Be team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Luke B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. Uh, okay. So we finished up the phone interview and we've moved on to the next step. So in again, I follow the specific model, but I'm not trying to like give you the 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 exact model for career visioning. Like that's what the class is for for that to to get every single step. But the next the next step of any interview process after a phone interview is going to be meeting in person. So in career visioning, we're we're doing the KPA, which is the Keller Personality Assessment, which is a specific personality assessment to real estate. And then we're going over that with them in the next interview. But even if you don't have that. The next step is a in-person interview mm-hmm. so that you can actually see them in person. Are they dressed professionally? You're getting a little bit better sense of them and you're going to have a longer conversation with them and ask them more questions again. And so, again, ha- prepare questions in advance. Have a long list of questions that you can really dig into some some important topics. And... I think that the biggest part of this, though, is to me anyway, I'm, I'm listening to what they're saying for sure, but I'm, I'm seeing how they present themselves in what is a job interview. Mm-hmm. And I remember on my, my the first, no, actually, this wasn't the first assistant I was hiring. This was um, maybe the third in that, that looking for the first admin person, maybe the third time I was looking for someone. And I almost hired this one girl and thinking back, I'm like, why did I do that? I mean, she, it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And, but I almost hired her because at the time I thought she was the best fit for what I had in front of me. Right. And she, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but she had like, her hair was just a mess and she had dandruff all over her jacket. <laughs> and I was like, but she's the best one I've got. But she just didn't look like she had had looked in the mirror that morning. And I know this sounds judgmental, but if your person is going to be client facing, Mm -hmm. they need to look professional, right? And so if you're just going to have them go sit in a dark corner and they're not going to be in front of a client ever, then sorry, in front of a client ever, then it probably doesn't matter as much, right? Mm. That's why people hire virtual assistants <laughs> and, right. and that being the case right like you can you but know. but for me at the time I wanted somebody who was going to um go out and put on lock boxes put out signs mm-hmm. they were going to they measure the rooms measure the rooms on appointments they were going to when a client came to the office they were going to be the Pre-sign. first person to greet them right. if they had to if they were signing yeah the the, the Whatever. Yeah. Anything that needed to be signed. Yeah. Or whatever. Catherine's not going to be in the office for them to get a signature. Right. They're going to pop in real quick and and drop off something and you're going to be the one to go meet them. Then you have to look professional. And again, like it's just a matter of presenting yourself for a job. 
So I almost hired her. Funny story though, she actually, um, if I remember correctly, she kind of used my job offer to get a raise at her other job. (laughs) And at the time I was kind of like mad about that, you know, because it's like, well, what a waste of my time. You know, I worked really hard. I was going to hire you despite your dandruff problem. (laughs) And, And then you used me. And I think what I've realized over the years is like, you just can't be you can't take stuff like that personally. It's like people are going to do what they're going to do. And like, look at the time I was not paying very well. I didn't have, it was hiring my first assistant. I didn't have a lot of money to spend. And so good for her. She obviously wasn't making any money (laughs) at her previous job. And so, you know, good for her for, for getting a raise over there. And so then whatever, whatever the circumstances are, you can't control that. Like you really can't. Now, maybe if she said something in the interview process, like, during the face-to-face interview, if she had said, well, I really love my current job, but they're, they're just not paying me enough. So I'm looking for a new, new job. Maybe that would have given me a clue, but there's just no perfect way to go about this. All you can do is ask the right, you know, ask questions to get the best sense of the person Mm -hmm. themselves, how they would present themselves when dealing with clients. And then also what the job was they were previously doing. And if there's any glimpse that they could be successful in the job you're hiring them to do. Mm-hmm. And so this first interview with them is just a lot of interview questions. Like go and, and if you don't have a model or, or um, a class like career visioning to model it off of, then again, go look up a list of interview questions and pick out. I would say for the in-person interview, you need at least 20 to 30 good, solid open-ended questions that will give you enough insight into what they were doing and stuff. And um, you can get really into detail on this one because again, it's a longer interview. Mm -hmm. Block out at least an hour, hour and a half, depending on if you're doing a personality assessment part with it and start to ask them questions like, so tell me about like, what, what did you do at your previous job? What it, what was the day structured like? Asking them about the environment that they were working in. Were you in a room by yourself? Were you, you know, you're really trying to find out what that looked like and if they were successful in it and did they enjoy it or are there clues that suggest that none of that, they were not good at that and they were actually let go because of this or this. Like they'll start to give you insights into, well, I had to leave that other job because um, I was... The drama. (laughs) The drama. You know, I had to leave that other job because um, I I was working on the budget and it was just too much and I, I really didn't ha- have enough information or knowledge to manage the budget and they, they just let me go or whatever. Well, so dig a little bit further into that. Say, oh, okay, well, so have you managed a budget before? You know, tell me about your experience with that. If it's something that applies to the job that you're hiring for, like if you expect your first assistant to manage your budget and they were actually let go because they weren't doing a good job at the previous one, that's a red flag. So just you're you're just digging in deeper. Are you doing a lot of um, how much are you letting what they're saying versus what how they're holding themselves and like just all of. Are they looking at you in the eye? Like, is, are you letting all of that stuff? How much of that is is over, outweighing the um, what they're actually saying? Where is it? Mm, I would say those are both equally important. Like, if 
if you're well put together and you're making eye contact and and you seem like a normal person that can have have a human interaction <laughs> um then that's a good thing but if everything you're saying is like oh that doesn't sound like that's going to work or you're having those those constant red flags throughout the conversation, but they're really well put together. That's not enough to get you to the next interview. If everything they're saying says this isn't going to be a good match. Um, and some of the, the, one of the questions during this part of the interview is that I really like, but it's the cheesiest thing is who are the three people that you most admire or that, that you most like or admire and why? And it's a cheesy question. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but like it's such an interviewee question. Yeah, but, it, but there's so. What I like about it is that there's so many answers. Yes, yeah, so you get like really crazy things. Um, some people will say like three people you've never even heard of before. Mm-hmm. That's and what then, I mean. And then you get to get. Then you get to dig in. Well, who are these people? You don't know what you're gonna learn. Yeah. And, and they might tell you a lot about who that person is. And then you get the people who like, it's their mom, their dad, their sister. And what that, Mm -hmm. that says a lot about who they are as people when that you hit, get that. It it tells me one of two things. If they're older, then it tells me they're very family oriented and that's, that's their life, right? That those people are really all that they're surrounded with, which just could be good thing, could be bad thing. I don't know. I'm just saying like, it's, it gives you an insight into how their life is or what I also find is if they're very young, like I'm talking straight out of college, those are the people that they say because they don't have enough other life experience yet to have people they admire or like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're yeah. not you're not listening to me no, at I all. <laughs> no, I I'm totally listening. I am. Um, so so this first interview is checking them out in person, mm-hmm. seeing how they present themselves, getting digging deeper on who they are as a person will we mesh can I have an hour-long conversation and feel like comfortable yeah it's even easier to see I guess at this point when we were talking what it was important to me during the first interview which is are they understanding what I'm saying because some people just have difficulty on the phone and they don't know you and it's nervous and all of those things now we've been we had a phone interview you've come into the office we've talked for 20 30 minutes we've learned about you've I'm not scary to you anymore because we're sitting across from each other face to face and if I'm 30 minutes in and this person is a lot of ums and I don't knows and I feel like I'm pulling teeth to try to get information out of this person then that's bad or the opposite which is I've asked one question and they haven't shut up (laughs) that's bad too so in an assistant role, that could be a problem, right? Yeah. If, if somebody um, they're, asks they're you a question. To, yeah. It's like, is that what you want? Yeah. Right. You know. So that would go back to the disc personality. and Or they take control and they start asking you all the questions. <laughs> so, well, those, those two things you just described would give you a clue as to their personality. So it's not, it's not necessarily a, well, it would be if they start asking you questions and directing the thing. It, it just depends, right? Like nothing is exact or 100%. But if they take an hour-long interview and turn it into the answer for one question and they don't stop talking long enough for you to get a word in, that is somebody that's probably high on the eye. And like we talked about in the last episode, um, 
that's not necessarily a good assistant. I need somebody who can answer a question or, you know, have a conversation with a client and not be the one running the conversation. They need to be able to listen and respond professionally with with client interactions and vendor interactions. Um, And then the person who takes over the conversation, well, that person might be a little bit too high on the D like we talked about. And although you want a leader, there's a fine line when it comes to a supportive role on how much you want them to be taking over. And so if they're taking over the conversation and you can't get it back, well, that's going to be a dynamic that's not going to work well with you being the boss and them being the supportive person. So those are clues for sure. One of the things in this step of the interview, if, if you follow the career visioning model and you take this class, you ask a lot of questions initially that are from the KPA report. Excuse me. Oh, the KPA gives you No, oh, they give you all the questions. Right. I, I do know this, yeah. And what's great about that is that the questions are specific to the personality assessment. Mm. And it's like it gives you an opportunity to have them say so they're, this. They're not just random questions. They're questions that have been because this person came in with this with these numbers, these are the questions you ask. They're not just generic yes. for everybody. Exactly. They're very specific about this person's personality. And what it does Give is... Give an example of like what, of like one of the questions that you would get based off of... Um, Gosh. Like um, somebody's, you know, if they come in at like a, a high C and a low D or whatever, like what does that mean... Well, it's not the DISC, right? I I reference the DISC personality assessment a lot because it's four simple letters, but we're talking about the Keller personality assessment, which is a a Keller Williams um, assessment tool that you can use if you're a Keller Williams agent. And it pumps out based on their answers, their personality and how it would fit with the role you're hiring. So it's a really useful tool because it will tell you what their misalignments might be. Mm Mm-hmm with the job and then you can then what you're doing is you're meeting to validate it did this assessment get it right and so you ask them a question and then they tell you on a scale of one to ten like Mm -hmm. how accurate you think it is and then you ask them a deeper question to understand and it gives them an opportunity to um apply the answer to some situation so let let me just give you an example because I think it'll help. So let's say this person's assessment says that they prefer to deal with work problems by seeking a mutually agreeable solution. They prefer a reasonable approach to overcoming obstacles. And then you would ask them like, how does that sound like you on a scale of one to 10? Right. And they'll say they say a 10. So they, they feel like they do look to seek mutually agreeable relationships, right. Or solutions. So then you would ask them, um, Think about a time when you felt your boss was not making the right decision. How did you deal with the situation? Mm. You're giving them an opportunity to take that personality item and apply it to a work situation. And what I hear outside of the specifics of that is I believe even if you've done this hiring process before, People that are smarter than all of us that do nothing but this who created all of these questions and you will not come up with better questions on your own on the on the fly. Sure. Like the that's why that's why I just follow yeah, this model. The, the preparation. And- uh, if you're an agent listening to this and you're in your you're thinking about doing your first hire and stuff, the amount of prep that these the people who wrote these questions have done, you will not be able to prep 
the way that they have already done it. Yeah. You have to like this is like getting people to really to dig in to to their personalities for them to really kind of you're kind of trying to break them not break them down but but ask get catch them off guard so they start answering truthfully and from their heart instead of what is it that they want me to say like these questions are impossible to they're not those first four questions that you get at every job interview that they've already have memorized to spit out because that's what you want to hear it's impossible to do that with these questions well yes that's why i follow this model specifically is because again that's what a model does is it's 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 a specific set of actions you can take that people have already tried and they know it works so why are we reinventing the wheel? But I realize that, you know, you might be listening to this podcast and not be in Keller Williams or you might not have this access to these tools. And so just know that this first interview in person, what you the goal is to get to know them better than just these standard surface things. So if you have the opportunity to ask them a deeper question, like, can you give me an example of when this, you know, when this happened? that will help you learn better about how they think. And that's important if you're going to be working next yeah. to them so closely. Um, so in that example that I just gave you, like a lot of times the these questions, I, I think it also gauges, and this this might sound bad or something, but they're not meant to be easy questions. They're meant to make you think. Why does that sound bad? I'm going to get there. So sometimes I find that people have a hard time if they're not that smart. Oh, right. And that's the part that sounds bad. Mm. And so if people can't answer, if you use the KPA tool and they can't answer the questions, Mm. but they've had previous job experience, like sometimes it's because they just haven't had an experience to be able to answer the question. It's like they get out and they like, I boofed it. (laughs) (laughs) I totally boofed it. You know what I mean? Like they just, sometimes people just lock up and it has nothing to do with being smart or not. They just lock up and they're like, ugh. I have skipped certain questions before. If I know like this person straight out of college, like they're not going to be able to answer this question I've skipped it and I probably shouldn't I probably should just see if they can do it see what happens see what happens but but so there are times where people can't answer these very detailed questions but if they have previous job experience they should be able to come up with something or just see how they handle it yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, how do, they, like, what kind of confidence do they have? In, Look, in, even in if going, somebody, and just going, well, that's a question. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I've had you, those before too. You know? But even and if it, somebody said, it's like, like, I know you've had stuff like that. And it's like, well, they handled this interview really well. Like, they were very, like, uh, you know, they were very confident and uh, honest. And they were, I like the way they answered it. They came off as, as bright and smart yeah. and stuff. And it's like, am I really looking for what the answer to these questions are? Or am I looking for how are they reacting to these questions? Yeah, how, no, I've had... We're in a stressful situation. What are the, how are they, re- this is, these are all the things that you're going to take into consideration when you're hiring. You Look, know? I've had people answer questions about like, well, at my job at Domino's, right. I, this happened mm-hmm. and then I did this and then we did this to solve the problem. And it's like, okay, you know what? But you got it. You understood yeah. how to apply what the, what the, I asked you. What I asked you to a situation mm-hmm. 
that's that's con- what I'm looking. That's for. what I'm looking for. It right. doesn't matter what the job was or how yeah. how minute the mm-hmm. issue at work was. Yeah. Can you come up with an answer, or yeah. are you just going to sit there with your mouth open? Yeah. You know, and say, <laughs> "I think we've all seen enough here," and get up and walk <laughs> out. <laughs> Right. So those are those are clues too, right? If you go through the whole interview and you're like, God, I really don't feel like I know anything about anything. It's because they didn't give you any answers. What they gave you was like words that they thought you'd want to hear. And but you never really got into how they could apply situations at work. Yeah. So definitely do if you're with Keller Williams, look at the KPA. And, you know, I mean, we don't know much about other brokerages. I'm sure some of the larger brokerages have elements of that, but you could probably find a lot on the internet as well. Probably not. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't think there's any tool quite as there's, impressive. No, there's not going to be. No, that is true. But you can, you know, you can, I guess the most important takeaway is don't try to wing it Yeah. <laughs> during the interview process because you aren't skilled enough because you've never done you've never hired before. So so, so here's, you're not skilled at all to know what questions to ask. So but so if you if you do nothing else but print out a interview list, any interview question list from the internet, just memorize this one line when somebody says like let's say you ask a, a very interview question like what are your strengths? Mm-hmm. And they tell you I'm very detail oriented. Just memorize this one line. Give me an example how you have been detail oriented at work right. before give me an example give me, give an, me example. an example that's the way to dig in on these kinds of questions i think so same or tell me more about that that's that's one you use the same it's crazy how you use the same types of things with leads as you do with this because this is a lead for the job and you're qualifying them and you're determining if this makes sense to take it to the next step um so I recommend and the process that we follow is to do two in-person interviews. So once you're done with this, um, let's call it the thought process interview, you're going to decide right then and there if I'm going to set another interview. Mm. But I've been given this advice and I think this is good. You want to space that out like a day or two, not a really long time, because if you've got somebody that you really like, you also have to understand that they're probably interviewing other places. So you don't want to take too much time, but you want to give yourself a minute to think and you can start the reference check during this time. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you like them, set the next interview. Say, okay, great. I think, uh, you know, based on our conversation today, it seems like we should move on to the next step that you might be a good fit here. So let's um, meet again. We'll we'll get together and talk about a few more things. And we already have the appointment set. Does this time or this time work? Right. And then in the meantime, I'd like to get some references from you and then you tell them what you want. The general rule of thumb would be to get three references from three different types of things, right? Like not three people from the same job. Right that they worked with like three different things and then you're going to call those people and then you're supposed to and I say supposed to you're supposed to go deeper than that you're supposed to go like I need to get another reference Mm -hmm. from the person that they gave me as a reference Mm -hmm. and I wish that you know what people told you in classes was true but the reality is is that sometimes it's hard enough to get the three people sometimes you just can't like those people have rules with the company that they're at they can't give you another one Mm -hmm. and um this is you're not hiring for a vice president position. Well, just just either. hear me out. Just hear me out. <laughs> well, I just 
you know, it's I like know. it's like people you're hiring somebody who's 25 years old. Chances are one of those people that is a well, reference. Well, you keep saying a, that, but it's not always. It's not. Oh, it's not always. I'm just saying, generally speaking, your first hire is going to be a younger person because that's all you can afford to pay. Well, that's but you're, all. But you're assuming that that's too many I'm, assumptions. Okay, I'm just generally I'm generally speaking that somebody isn't coming from a long career of jobs. They have a smaller number of jobs. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Generally speaking, <laughs> there are always exceptions to this rule where a 65 year old person okay, okay. is going to come in and apply. Okay, fine, but generally speaking, so those people, it's one of them is going to be a relative, and one of them is going to be their assistant manager, and like you said. They're not gonna. The assistant manager isn't gonna give you somebody else's information. Yeah, and stuff. So. Um. Okay. So that just made me think of something. So let's say you 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 uh get somebody who has been an assistant before, um, and and their one of their references is the person that they right. assisted. And they right? don't know that they're quitting. No, no, that's that not where ha- I, that happens, though. That's not where I was going, though. No. That would be a red flag, right? When you gave a reference, like that's just not a smart. Well, no, thing that's to not do. a smart thing to do. But a lot of times, I guess, but that was my point: is is the person that you're trying to hire, they're still working at the other job. Yes, and so they're so, not. You can't. They're so not going to give them as a reference because they don't know. You know, yes. I'm not going to put in my two weeks until I get hired at this new place. Of course. Yeah. Sometimes you can't talk to the person that they're actually working with right now, which is, is kind of frustrating, but you have to respect that and understand. Yeah, that's just a thing. But I don't think we really thought about that before the hiring process started the first time. And yeah. Like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. But so what I was getting at, though, was that sometimes you get the person that they were actually an assistant to. That's awesome. You get to talk to the person that they actually were doing what you're hiring them to do. Mm -hmm. And so I've made those calls before and the person is like, they're amazing. I would hire them again. I would I wish they wouldn't have left, blah, blah, blah. You need to dig deeper on that because why did they leave? Right? Yeah. Why did they leave? Yeah. And then maybe you already think you know the answer. So maybe they told you, well, like there was really no opportunity for growth. It was just I was assisting um, an attorney and he's retiring in a few years. And so there's really no opportunity for any growth in my role. And I really would like to lead other people, blah, blah, blah. So you think you know the answer. So ask that person for their perspective, just just to to hear it from Mm -hmm. both sides. Right. And then the other thing is ask them what they were doing for that person. Because as I've said before, sometimes the job sounds like it's the same, but it's not actually the same. Assisting. So I, I I don't remember who exactly this was, but I do remember there was somebody who was an executive assistant to like an attorney. And to me, that sounds like roughly the same, right? Like they're doing... Professional situation. It's a professional... It's, I don't know exactly. people are walking in, like that kind of admin work, right? Like a well, it depends. or something. Well, it depends, yeah. right? Oh, I guess that's true, yeah. So, sure. so there could be different, different setups, right? Are they a, a receptionist at the front desk of an attorney's office mm-hmm. answering the phones? Well, I, I can do, um, I don't even know what this is called. I can do, you know, I can manage 20 lines at a time. Well, that's not what this is. Right. Right. Yeah. That's different. That's different work. Um, then there's, I had one where and it may not have been an attorney, but she was an executive assistant to somebody and all she was doing was like managing his travel. 
Hmm. Like he traveled a lot. So she right. was like booking. booking flights and stuff. And it's like, okay, well, you're never going to have to do that. God, <laughs> so that don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. And, you and know, when we do, it's, we drive because we have dogs. Yeah. And anyways, like, I want to manage my own schedule. Like right. I, when it comes to, to that kind of thing. So you need to know really clearly what you are going to be having them do because as you're listening to the job, you might realize like, okay, well, wow, that's not at all mm-hmm. what this job is. Mm-hmm. And does, does this person really seem as, as qualified anymore? Doesn't mean you not aren't going to hire them, but you just need to understand because they might be thinking the same thing. Like they're going to get into this job and it's going to be the exact same thing they were doing for this other person because it's called executive assistant right. and it's not, it's not the same. So yeah, just asking a lot of questions. I think that's that's the answer to all of problems. All problems. Answer more. Ask more questions. <laughs> um, so, anyways, then you're gonna do that final interview, and again, in our process, um, it's about motivation, like what drives you, and asking questions about that, and having them tell you like what are the most important priorities in your life. And if in five years you were doing awesome in that particular priority of your life, what would that mean? So you're look your future you're kind of looking into the future with them and trying to understand what motivates them. Because- and and how far have they thought into the future on their own? If exactly, they have yeah. an answer, they've thought about it. Yeah. Right? If they don't and they're like, hmm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well. Then this isn't somebody who's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, we're trying to learn everything we can. And then we're going to take all of the things we've learned and squish them all together and get kind of an idea of whether or not this person's right for the job. Well, and they, they tell, they tell you a lot through that because they'll, they'll tell you about what they expect to see in the job and the financial situation of the job. Mm -hmm. And so you can see if that's in alignment with what you're visioning, envisioning for that role. And then they'll also tell you about like family life, you know, what do they envision family life? Or maybe that's not even a priority in their life and they're all about like fitness and health. And it just tells you more about who they are as a person and what's going to excite them in those those years that you'll be working together, hopefully. And can you live up to that, right? Like if they tell me as an as an assistant Are that, you aligned? They expect in five years that they're going to be making two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now look, I maybe that's your plan. <laughs> like I know that there are opportunities for financial growth, but is that realistic for yeah the the salary? Right. Most likely, no. So right. do they seem? Well, here's what you could do. You could say, "Oh, this person has lived in this town their whole life." It seems like I went and I stalked them on Facebook. They've got a lot of friends. They're really engaged in social media, all of this stuff. They're going to be my admin. There's opportunity to make money. You ha- well, this is if this person has the drive. They're they're going. Well, I'm going to make them get their real estate license anyway. So they're going to go get their real estate license. They can hang their license as a. Re- they can get referrals. Well, right? but that's the thing, all, right? There are, there's opportunity for them to do these things if they if that's what they want to do. And do they seem like they could? Right. So yeah. what w- you said if they have the drive. So if somebody they're they're detailed, they want a steady job, but they have these really high income goals and 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 they have enough of the driver personality like they want to be a leader, they want to be engaged, but they want to be in the background, they want to be supporting. Mm-hmm. They don't want their face on a sign. Then that is something that they could work towards. Mm-hmm. But if they're like 
you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to anyone really. Like yeah. I, I don't mind making customer service but calls. I, I'm really good at customer service. Yeah, but but I, like, don't, I don't want to call my sphere and ask I, for business. Right. So if that's something you expect them to do, number one, then that's a, a thing that might not work out for you. Right. But it also will limit their ability to grow that financial income that yeah. they're seeking. You'll so, be able to give them a dollar raise. You'll be able to give them a two fifty raise. You'll be able to do, here's a bonus because we did really well this year. But if they want to make $200,000 a year, you're that's not going to happen well and a lot of we're times we're talking about your first hire it's like that's not going to happen and then a lot of times i feel like um that person if there's if that's their income goal it's because they're the one who you just didn't pick up on it yet but they actually want to be a real estate agent and so right. their income goal in their head is aligned with what they believe a real estate agent can make mm-hmm. and um that's true too and, yeah. and so you might dig deeper on that and say, oh, okay, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I figure in five years I'll have my license and I'll be out there selling houses. Okay, now, how do you envision that happening? <laughs> well, right. I'm going to learn all I can here and then I'm going to um, I'm gonna go start my own business. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, there's that. But then there's the other thing too, which we've said a lot. Look, brand new person to real estate, they don't have any idea what real estate is. And they're like, oh, I want to be an agent. Uh, maybe five years from now, I'll be an agent. You've seen their personality tests. You've seen all of those things. If they're not aligning as an agent, they don't even know what that job is. And we've said it a million times. Let them get behind the scenes for six months. They'll change their mind really quick. Well, that's, about, that's because true. Because you know that they're, they're, they don't align with buyer's agent because they've, think- taken, they've taken the KPA. Right. And it doesn't. And you can you can get there. You can put you can see what other roles they're suited for or not suited for. And you'll know and they'll they'll get six months in and they'll be like, I'm not doing that job. Well, I think you have to be realistic with people, too. And I don't mean like squashing their dreams and saying, well, that's not going to happen. What I mean is is saying it out on their own is saying, okay, great. So. Um, looking at what drives you, what motivates you over these five years, I think that we can achieve these things to get, if you like them and you want to hire them, I think we can achieve these things and you can, you can hit your goals. It will take a lot of hard work Mm -hmm. and some, some different things. I think you're really going to like this type of role. So in order to be in this role, this is what the salary looks like to start. Mm -hmm. And then here's how you could grow that. Right. And so you could really enjoy this role and here's how you could grow that. How does that sound? So that's about that casting the vision, which I've, it takes a long time to figure out how to do that because again, you're, you did a pretty good job right there. Well, yeah, but you're, you're figuring this out as, as you've been, you've been a single agent. You're looking to hire your first admin. You won't know exactly what you're thinking for the next five years. You'll have a goal. You'll have a plan, but it's hard to illustrate that and cast that vision until it starts to happen mm-hmm. and then you can and then you can build upon that so it's hard to explain that to pe- to other people and get it and like show them and get them excited about it that's something that takes um takes practice yeah and it also not only does it take practice but as you start to hire more people there's more of a team and when there's more of a team then there's it's easier for those people to see oh there's opportunity yeah. And stuff. But the first hire, they're just kind of, they're taking your word for it, you know? So it's better to just get somebody who wants to do the job at the pay in which it is and understands all of those things. As you start to grow, you can start to kind of, you know, maneuver a little bit more. And because if that person quits, the company doesn't fall apart. 
right? So because you've got three other admins and a marketing person and a TC. So it's easier to roll the dice on somebody at that point. So um, you ready to uh, move on to our next? Yeah, but I wanted to clarify what you mean there because I think what you mean is like, if you're not sure about this, at least what I think you mean, if you're not sure about someone and it just doesn't, it seems like they want different things than what you can offer. And like, you're like, yeah, that sounds all great, but I'm not sure that I'm in alignment with all of that. I'm not sure I can take a chance on them because right now what you need is stability. Yeah, that is what I was saying. Yeah, you need stability. You need somebody who's going to be consistently there doing a solid job and helping you build the plans for the next people and and for their growth too but like you need that's the best word for it stability and so anybody else that's like oh I like them I think they're a go-getter but I'm not sure this is right for them but they're definitely talent don't do it because you're not there yet like you can take a chance on somebody like you were saying when you have other people and things are stable Mm -hmm. you can take a chance on someone and if it doesn't work out it's not a big deal Mm -hmm. you take a chance on someone when you're hiring your first assistant or in that those first building stages Mm -hmm. you're setting yourself back years of growth because you thought i think i can make it work with them right i can change them i can change them. all of a sudden you're in a four-year relationship and uh you know and nobody changed anything and then what you know yeah so yeah Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Questions from the web. Question from the web. How do I join a team? I'm a new single agent at KW and I feel I'm not going anywhere despite the Ignite training. Are smaller brokerages a better bet? Well, those are two different questions. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, let's break that down. Um, okay. How do you join a team? I mean, you have to put it out there that you're looking for a team opportunity. So if you're with Keller Williams, I'll tell you, go straight to your team leader and you talk to them about who's hiring in the office. They know. They know what teams exist. They know who's looking for people. Mm -hmm. And they might also have um, some sort of productivity coaching. Like if you're if you're not sure you want to be on a team, they probably know the style of those particular teams and who you are as a person to a certain degree and go, oh, you're not going to fit on that team. Or, oh, you know who you should go talk to is so and so, because I think you're the type of person that you are, you're going to fit in really well over there. Yeah. So, um, and then the second question was, and then also you can just go look up, like teams are posting job ads on websites like Indeed and stuff. So you can find team opportunities um, by searching for job ads as well. But I think if you're with Keller Williams, you just go straight to your team leader and they will help you. That's what they're there for is to to help grow the office. Um, and that's part of that job. And then the other question was about are small brokerages better? Well, I think maybe they were talking about like joining a team on a small brokerage or I don't know. I, don't know. I think I maybe think, they didn't understand like the the team a small brokerage isn't a team. So that's what I was gonna say. Like so and so um John Smith real estate, he's like the broker and it's his and there's four agents and two admins. Yeah. Right? So a small brokerage is just is not a team. Um, what it is is it's a it's a broker who has four or five. I mean, however many agents who are single agents who work 
with that broker, just like I work with Keller Williams and my broker. And then they do the a, only they difference. They do a round robin when the phone rings for leads or something like that kind of a thing. They, they all have different the office. They yeah. all have different yeah. ways of doing it. But the only the only, the main difference is with a small brokerage. Like usually, you don't have the same resources and training because a large company has the financial capacity to set up those things where a smaller brokerage doesn't necessarily have that. It's in the team leader's best interest on on a team, a true team. It's in the team owner's best interest to make sure that you're educated and you know what to do and how you should be spending your time the training in order to do that, the script training, all that stuff on the small brokerage. Those are just other agents. They could care less about whether or not you make money because they've got their own, those I'm, when I'm talking about the other agents on the team and stuff, um, the broker is, he's got his own thing that he's dealing with a team like Catherine's team. It's Catherine runs that team. Her job all day long is to make sure her buyer's agents are, are hitting their numbers and doing what they need to do and answering their questions and doing all of that stuff. The small brokerage, where he, the guy's a broker, he might still be an agent too. And he's a broker. I don't know if, well, and it's not if like you don't make any money. It does. It's really no skin off of his nose. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. Let me just stop. I mean, right. in order for a brokerage to run, People have to make money. Sure. But I get what you're saying. And I think that there's truth to that. Like a, a smaller brokerage, like they're they're just not necessarily set up for a new agent to come in and learn how to be successful. They dangle in front of you that it's a lower split or that it's um, there's no desk fee and stuff. Praying, kind of not praying. That's a bad word. That's a bad word. Yeah, choice. that's not. But, but. It's Expect, just a different... Expecting a newer agent to think that you're thinking small and you're thinking about these three sales that you might have coming up and 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 what the splits are rather than we can turn your six sales a year into 30 sales a year. It's just a different business model. Like every business has to appeal to what their strengths are. So a small brokerage might might imply um, that that you're going to get more hands on uh, training or accessibility, et cetera, because there aren't as many agents taking up the broker's time, right? Like I've heard from some big brokerages, this is not mine. I can call my broker right now and she probably answer the phone um, or text me back and say, I'll call you in a minute. But I've heard from other people, like I can never get my broker on the phone. Yeah. And if they don't have somebody else to ask questions when they're in trouble or have concerns, then that can feel like, well, what's the point? Like, what am what am I here for? Mm-hmm. And a small brokerage would appeal to somebody who might think might think that way and think that they'll have more accessibility. Whether or not that's true, that depends on the broker, the and, person, and, and yeah, not, not the way the the, the person, yeah. the actual person, not the. Uh, the, the way it's set up or structured or the company itself. It's yeah. Just the- and, and I remember when I interviewed, and this was a long time ago, but I did, um, I applied just as I do. I need all my choices and then I'll decide. Um, and I went and interviewed with like every company under the sun. And so a, a, I went to a very, um, I would say well-known small brokerage in town. And the, the pitch was kind of, it wasn't even so much about that, although maybe there was something about that, but they were going to pay for like 50 postcards a month. And like there was things that they, they were like they had marketing. They were like, going to pay for for some of my marketing. So 
as as a new agent, I'm like, well, I don't have any money, right? Mm-hmm. So like that sounds appealing to me. Now, as a as a 16 year agent, I, I understand. You, I, don't you I don't want you doing any of that. <laughs> well, I understand that like, well, that means that I don't have control over what I'm marketing mm-hmm. and 50 postcards is going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. And like you, you start to understand what the value is, but as a new agent I guess going that's in. What, that's what I was kind of saying about like desk fees and, and splits and stuff like that is, is when you're a young agent, you don't really know anything sounds good if you're getting something because sure. I don't have anything. Right. right? But you could really put your career back a little bit because you think that the $200 a month desk, desk fee you're not paying or or the split that's slightly higher than the other split because you're worried about your three sales that you made last year, right? Versus, well, on this team, you, they're going to turn those three sales into 35 sales. So the split shouldn't matter as much because you're going to make you know, yeah, a uh, hundred and fifty thousand dollars at the end of the year versus making your thirty thousand dollars that you made last year. Well, and the thing about this business is you get out of it what you put into it. So right. you can't you can too. go that's the most important point, I think. You can go and talk to a, a team or a small brokerage or anything and and they're going to they're going to share with you the value proposition of being a part of their team. and so or the brokerage. And one of the value propositions of being on a team is generally, you're going to make more sales and make more money than you would as an individual agent. And for the most part, that is 100% true. Mm -hmm. But you still have to do the work. And... You mean, now, you, mean you, don't, lot, you don't join a team and they just give you all of your sales? Yeah. Now, a lot of the work is actually going to be off your plate. You're going to be able to focus on specific activities, but you still have to do those activities. And so the people who come in and then, they, they're, then they're frustrated that, well, I didn't make it as a single agent and I joined a team and, I, and, and that didn't work. It's not that the team didn't work. It's that you didn't do the activities that you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, I digress point is well there's people that join a small brokerage that become very successful there's people that join teams that become very successful that it is kind of up to you you get out of it what you put into it it's up to you it's up to you and what i've seen is that 99 percent of people in this business and just people in general probably need structure Hmm. And so if you're weighing whether joining a small brokerage or a team, the only thing that's going to give you structure is working under somebody else. And that would be a team, meaning you're joining their business. You're going to do what they, they're, you're going to do what they tell you to do every day. They've got systems in place for, to train a new agent on how to be successful. And, and, but within that's the difference is like if you go to a small brokerage they're not going to tell you you should be lead generating from not well they might tell you that but like they're not going to it's it's not up to them to that's what i mean they're not going to check in on you and and see if you actually did it or hold you accountable to that or say i'm gonna kick you out of the brokerage if you don't do these things right right? but as a team member that's what i was saying earlier when i was said they don't care whether or not you're successful that's not which is a harsh way to say it but at the end of the because it's not uh, yeah yeah. i was talking more about accountability yeah it's not that they don't care it's that it's not their job to to make sure that you're you're doing every single specific thing they're going to give you ideas and then let you manage yourself right Catherine's job as a team leader is to 
hold them accountable and to and to help them achieve the goals that they set for themselves at the beginning of the year. And why? Because your goals are also part of the team goals. And so I'm making sure that the team and organization does what we say we're going to do as a team. And that that means you have to do what you say you're going to do. Right. It's not the same as being in in a brokerage as a single agent. Even if it's a small brokerage, Mm -hmm. there isn't that connection. And so your goal is to, if you want to join a team and you talk to your team leader and he gives you three or four different teams to go and talk to, then that's what you're looking for is the alignment or your, is your alignment of what you want and what the, that team's alignment is. Do they mat, do they meet up? And if they do, then you move forward. And if they don't, you move on to the next and interview with the next team. Yeah. Also, well, this is just interviewing in general. Like if you're if you're not looking to hire someone yourself, you're looking to join somewhere else. Everyone, for the most part, is going to follow some sort of process, even if it isn't the exact Keller Williams process. They have an interview process. And so if you don't respond to like an email or a phone call or something, you're going to get off the list. Yeah. Like if 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 I reach out to somebody and and ask to meet or like I you know hey let's get together do something and then I don't hear back from you I'm gonna take that as a you've you've moved on you're doing something else yeah. I'm not gonna keep following up because I don't have time it's a filter in the process yeah. if I don't hear back I will assume that yeah. you're no longer interested you're either no longer interested or you're the type of person that doesn't call back and forgets in which case we don't want you on our team anyway yeah <laughs> like there's you have no urgency in your life which is the does not align with Catherine's align with, with Catherine what's important to her which is urgency right so so she can just move on with her day so bye bye <laughs> <laughs> Small win. Catherine, you got a small win this week? Um, well, I finished the, uh, you had started the Christmas decorating a little Mm. early, but Mm. you left the trees for me to do. And I I finished the trees this weekend and everything looks very festive. And I did, oh, my other small win is I did all my stocking stuff or shopping every year I go and, um, with my friend and, it's our annual trip and we get a bunch of stocking stuffers and I did, I finished that too. And I'm almost done with Christmas shopping. Got a few more. I know things. it's, um, your, uh, Catherine's brother is coming. He comes for Christmas every year, but he's coming, uh, a, a, a week before Christmas where usually he comes like right after Christmas. So give or take some, you know, most of the time it's right after Christmas. So it's forcing us to be ready, be prepared beforehand with everything i mean so, we usually are anyways yeah but, but like, even more so now like that, yeah i'm like oh know, my gosh i gotta not, get this done yeah because it's not just shopping for 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 him for when he's here for his christmas presents but my family too so we're doing it all at once so we're we're kind of ahead ahead of schedule yeah because i'll i think i'll be done today yeah good and my small win is i went to the eye doctor for the first time ever in my life um, my eyes, I do need glasses, but my eyesight is not as bad as I thought it was. For small somebody win. who's never worn glasses, right? Even the littlest, like, I can't read this small print on this ibuprofen bottle. <sighs> um, like, like I didn't know how bad my eyes were. They could have been, it could have been anything, right? But he's like, yeah, your uh, uh, far vision is not bad for your age. And uh, 
you know, your, your close up vision is, is normal, like to have to need this, this small prescription. So I know we were, we were saying he's going to go in and the guy's going to be like, Oh my God, oh how my. did you drive here? Yeah. But no, it wasn't like that at all. It was actually uh, not nearly as bad. And I had every test imaginable done to make sure that both those eyes are working the way they're supposed to and they are. So that's, that's definitely a, a win. So awesome. Hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. Send your questions from the web to onseekingthebest at gmail.com. All info is in the show notes and including including how to send us a voicemail. And for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening. And we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. Adios. This has been a Think Live Be production.